my friends, and welcome to Worship for Carmen United Church on January 17th of 2021. I am the pastor of this church, Reverend Nick Phillips, and I'm so glad you've joined us for worship today. Let us pray. God, we thank you that we can come together in your spirit by the power of your Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that you have sent upon us, you send to each and every one that unites us together as we worship you in our separate places. Lord, it is you that is the great creator of all things, and you've created life, you have created life for us, and you've created hope and love so that we may enjoy your creation. So God, as we worship you this day, may we be united by your Spirit uh, with those who are watching with us, wherever we may be. Bless this time, and may all that we do honor and glorify you today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. And he said, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants 
and followed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, as we gather around your word today, may you speak into our hearts the message that you have for us. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. I grew up in pretty much a blue-collar rural neighborhood, one of the many that filled the road between Bridgewater and Lunenburg, towards that other end of our province. My father worked for Michelin. My neighbor, he was a teacher. Across the road and a few other houses through the community were fishermen. There was also a mink farm, just a few houses up the road. These were hard-working people who worked long hours to provide for their families. The houses, they were modest, mostly bungalows. There were no fancy cars in the driveways, usually sedans and maybe an old pickup truck. None of us were hurting for anything. We all lived comfortably. There were also lots of kids in the neighborhood, roughly the same age, all within a few years, it seemed. So some of us, we, we, they grew up to be teachers, some work at the fish plant, some are in trades. Many moved away, like myself, to pursue other dreams. And because I moved away in the early 90s, before internet, before free long distance phone calls and text messaging, uh, because I moved away then, I've pretty much lost contact with everyone from the old neighborhood. But I do, I do think of them often. I sometimes try to look them up, you know, see what they're up to. See if I can see what their life is like these days. I don't often have a lot of luck, but then again, I, I don't look that hard. You know, the reality is sometimes there's a reason why you never quite kept in touch. But do you do this sometimes? Do you wonder, wonder what your old friends are up to these days? Do you try and maybe cyber stalk them a little bit? See what they might be up to? What's their family like? Where are they living? Where are they working? You know, kind of without that commitment of actually wanting or making it look like you want to be their friend again. And in some ways, I suppose nostalgia has a lot to do with it. We remember those old times fondly. They weren't perfect, but we remember them fondly. I even pay attention to what's going on at my old high school through social media, even though my time there was a fair bit of fodder for nightmares for years. But I do remember fondly growing up in that quiet neighborhood with those working class families all around us. You know, I remember the fresh scallops being dropped off on the doorstep in the mornings. I remember playing in yards. I remember hanging out on the swim, at the swimming hole in those hot summer days. And then going back to that same swimming hole later to, to do some fishing. I remember heading to the schoolyard to, to play softball. I remember shooting baskets in the driveway, which I spent a lot of hours doing. And then I think about how all of us, We've kind of scattered, we've gone our own ways, we've, we've started our families, 
We're following our own dreams, making our own lives, building on what we learned from our parents and what we learned together through our days in that community. The reality is that today's families seem to be much more mobile, much more than they ever used to be from what I can tell. For many of you, you or, or people you're close to, you've, you've stayed close to home. You've not moved that far away. Maybe, some, maybe they even still live in the old family home. They chose to stay for whatever reason and to make a life, life for themselves here or, or there. There's nothing wrong with this. Sometimes there, I do have that wish that maybe I had that same stability in my own life instead of all the moving I've done. I mean, we've lived in City Mines almost 12 years now. One more year and a bit, and it'll be the longest I've ever been in one community. Longer even than those years I remember in the old neighborhood. Now, I don't regret the moving I've done. I've met a lot of wonderful people over the years. I've learned a lot of things, you know, life lessons. But at, this, but at the same time, it's nice to have that place where you can always call home. It sure does make it a lot easier when you start to think about retirement planning. That's for sure. Now in our scripture reading today, we see Jesus asks, ask uh, some young men to do the unthinkable. Now, this is a time, an era, when you work in the family trade. You learn from your father in order to take his place someday. Sons of carpenters become carpenters. Sons of fishermen become fishermen. Sons of potters become potters and so on. Yet here we have the son of a carpenter walking along the shoreline after his, after his baptism who then approaches fishermen who are providing for their families and he says, follow me. Let's take a moment to remember what, what has gotten us to this point. Jesus has been recently baptized, baptized by John the Baptist, who is now in prison. Now Jesus has been driven by that same Holy Spirit of his baptism out into the wilderness for 40 days, where he fasted and was tempted by the devil. And now he has returned. He's returned emboldened in his mission as the Son of God who has come to save the world. Mark tells us in uh, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, he says, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. These are the first words recorded in the gospel of Matthew that come from the mouth of Jesus. So this should be taken as a significant message, a significant statement from our Lord. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Those are the first words he says in the gospel of Matthew. He has announced his arrival and his intention. People are to repent of their sin and believe in the gospel. That is to say, believe in the good news of God. Jesus has come 
to show people God's good news and to help them to turn from their sin as the promised Messiah. But first, he has to assemble his students, his disciples, his followers who will learn from him and then teach others what he teaches them and continue his work when he is gone. So he walks along the shoreline and he sees two brothers, Andrew and Simon. They're fishing. They're plying their family trade. And then he says those famous words. Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. They then continue further down the shoreline and he comes across James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And they are working with their father. They're, they're mending the nets after a night of being out on the water and getting the nets ready again for the next uh, night of work when they're out fishing. And again, Jesus calls to them and they get up and they leave their father behind. When you think about the context, this is almost unthinkable. These young men are following in the tradition of their, of their ancestors, their families, probably for generations. They are fishermen. This is all they've ever done. It's what they're supposed to be doing. It's what they're supposed to teach their children passing down skills to future generations, all for the provision of their family. And yet they, they hear these simple words from Jesus, and they are moved to get up and leave it all behind. <laughs> you wonder, what was going through Zebedee's head in that moment? Like, like what, did he approve? Was he hurt? We, we have no idea. Another remarkable thing that Mark tells us is that they left immediately. There's been no discussion, no time to reflect on the invitation. There was no family meeting. They just got up and left to follow a complete stranger, leaving behind their family, their, their livelihood, their neighborhood. They left the stability of what they know for something completely unknown. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a bit of a, uh, I like to have an understanding or a plan before I jump into something new, especially something completely new. I moved from the old neighborhood because I had enrolled at Acadia University. I moved to Ottawa because I had a full-time stable job waiting for me. I moved to Cape Breton because the church, you as a church, had a place for me to come and do ministry. Every time I moved, I had a place to work, a place to live, and the plans were there. Could I be so brave as to leave it all behind and follow Jesus with no plan in place at all? When I first considered that question, I thought, well, yeah, I did. When we left Ottawa to move back to Nova Scotia, when God called me into ministry, I thought maybe I did, but then I think about it, no. I put together plans before we moved. I planned out as much as I possibly could. This is when I'll start school. This is where we'll live. This is, But the plans didn't go all exactly as planned, but I tried. I tried to take as much control as I could. We even tried to buy a house at one point. 
Thankfully that didn't work out because in hindsight that would have been a huge headache for us had that sale gone through. God intervened. Bev and I truly believe. So when you read the story of, of these fishermen, how can someone jump up and respond without a plan? What does the immediate response of the fishermen to the invitation of Jesus, what does it tell us? Well, I believe it tells us a number of things. It tells us the call of God is unmistakable. It's irresistible. It is so much so that even just the words, follow me, are enough. Those words spoken by our Savior is enough for these young men to leave their, their world behind and follow the Son of God, who at that point is still a stranger to them. It tells us that when we hear the call of God, there's no plan needed. The only thing we need is trust. Clearly, these fishermen trusted the stranger who spoke briefly, yet seemingly powerfully, to, infect, to, in, in, to, to change their lives in a moment with just a couple of words. There is something in those words, in him, they just instinctively trusted. I bet if we had a chance to sit down and talk to them, they would not be able to explain it. Uh, it would be maybe just a feeling they had. And so they followed it. The story also tells us something about the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus at his baptism was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit carried him through 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. The Holy Spirit strengthened him to withstand and repel the temptations of the devil. The Holy Spirit shone through him as he declared his victory when he came back from the wilderness saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And the Holy Spirit moved through those simple words, follow me. Moved through those words into the hearts of the fishermen who became his disciples, forever changing their lives. Those words spoken to the fishermen are words that are still being spoken to us today. Jesus is near. The kingdom of God is near. The invitation to repent and believe is shown to us in the life and the teaching of our Savior, <clears throat> as our, as, uh, of our Savior as they are recorded in the Bible, the life-giving words of Scripture. And through the same Holy Spirit, Jesus speaks those same words to us, to you. Follow me. Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of people. At a glance, these words, they don't make a lot of sense, right? I mean, think about what fishermen do. We don't gut and fill it, people. But think about how these fishermen plied their trade. 
they used nets. They tossed these nets into the waters, encircling the fish, drawing them close together in order to bring them to shore. Jesus is inviting them to cast a different kind of net. This net is God's love. God's love is used to draw people together so they can be brought into the presence of the one who offers this love, who is God himself. This is not about trapping. It's not about encircling. It, it, it is about encircling people with love and helping them being drawn to God. How do these words resonate with you today? Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of people. Follow me. How does the invitation of Jesus to follow him speak to your heart right now? What do you need to leave behind in order to realize the power of the Holy Spirit, the love of God, and the companionship of Jesus in your life? What do you need to trust God with more? Where is he leading you? Where is he calling you? How are you experiencing his love? My friends, Jesus is saying to you today, follow me. Not because he wants to take things away from you, but, 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 but because he wants to give you so much more. May you hear these words, words today. And may you embrace the love of God in your life as you seek to follow Jesus through all your days. Amen. Would you join me in a time of prayer? God, we, we just come with thanks. We come thankful that you speak those words to us. Follow me. Lord, these, these words that bring life, these words that while can be terrifying at times, they are words that bring life and hope and healing. Lord, as we seek to be your children, may we feel your presence among us. May we hear those words that Jesus speaks and realize that they are for us today. They are for me to follow you to follow you down a different path, a path different than what the world offers to us, a path of hope and healing and life. Lord, may we be so bold, so strengthened, so trusting that we just simply follow this road with you. Lord, this is hard to do in a world where we see division and, and hatred and sickness and death whenever we turn on the news or open our computers. Lord, this is what we see. And so, Lord, we pray for the healing of these things. 
when, and when we see these increasing numbers of the second wave of COVID that is now spreading across Canada, Lord, we pray for healing. We pray for protection. We pray for the strength and protection of those first on, on the front lines of this disease. We pray for those who, whose families are infected. We pray for their healing, O oh God. Lord, we pray that there be no more death. We pray that this vaccine will continue to, to, to bring hope and healing to the land. Lord, we pray that you will bring hope and healing to the land. Lord, we, we pray for those who are sick. We pray, whether it's cancer or COVID or any other illness, oh God, we pray for them. We lift them up to you and we offer healing in your name to them. We pray for those who mourn. We pray for those who suffer loss in their lives. We pray for those who are unable to find companionship or, or just the physical touch that we all so long for in this time of, of, of distancing. But we also pray for protection and peace. And as we watch what unfolds in governments, we pray this week, God, as the new president will be installed, we pray for a peaceful day, a peaceful transition. We pray for unity in the face of division. We pray for peace in the face of what could be called civil war. Lord, we pray that hearts will come together and realize that we have so much more in common than we have apart. That we not let politics stand in the way of loving one another, but instead follow the example of Jesus who showed love to all he met. Your love. Your peace. Your healing. Lord, this is what you have shown us. This is how you've shown us to live as people who love and bring peace and wholeness and healing. So Lord, we pray for governments. We, we pray for nations. We pray for peace in this world as you have created it. We pray for your kingdom to come on this earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we lift up all these prayers to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who calls, follow me, and also the one who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Thank you for listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. To learn more about our ministry, please visit our website, www.carmenunited.ca. May God bless you this day.